you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by Caesars Rewards. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Graham, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And the drumbeat of fantasy camp goes on. We get a little bit closer to the start of the season. Uh, what are we like? Shoot three weeks away, something like that. It's coming very, very quickly. Looking forward to it. So we will continue with our positional breakdowns, looking at wide receivers. I have a fun guest to join me today. But before we get to that, as always, I want to say hello to my faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, I hear your air conditioning troubles are finally over. It's like the the saga everyone is following the beginning of this, <laughs> uh, this, this fantasy uh, fantasy show. Yeah, I mean, like I, I've had a constant flow of issues here. Whether it's the the Wi Fi got that squared away, and then it's like I'm I've had the the air conditioning leak, blowing out hot air, and we've we've had a heat wave here in LA. It's been 95 almost every day, except for like today. Uh, it's finally dropped a bit temperature outside, so I'm okay right now. I'm actually wearing a long sleeve shirt but um it's it's this saga is not over yet i'm gonna have a lot of construction <laughs> in my apartment th through the season uh, it couldn't have picked the worst time either like you said three weeks from the start of the nfl season fantasy drafts are really kicking off right now and it's like okay we're gonna have a bunch of guys coming in your apartment uh drilling holes and uh you know putting in a new unit so it's gonna be pretty miserable well i know you are good friends with and you now are i guess semi neighbors with Ricky Hollywood you should get yeah. him to come in and like make a short film about everything that's going on in your apartment you, you know what there is an IOU there because uh I'll tell you I helped her move in uh, this past weekend so I do have one favor on deck yeah 
Absolutely. Call it yeah. in. Get her, yeah. uh, get her to come over and do some work for you. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk some fantasy-wide receivers. And to join me, uh, a guy who I'm, I'm sure it's pretty warm where he is right now, it is Derek Brown, the senior fantasy football analyst at Fade the Noise. You can find him on Twitter at dbro underscore ffb. Derek, appreciate you jumping in with me. Uh, how is the weather down there in the uh, the Metroplex? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Marcus. No, it's, it's blistering down here. I mean, really – if you're walking outside, you're trying not to spontaneously combust. So there's a little bit of risk there. Um, I mean, it's hot everywhere right now. I mean, I'm just trying to stay cool as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, in fact, for folks who don't know, I mean, I know the folks in the, the fantasy community know, but Fade the Noise, you guys are, are a relatively new operation, although you guys went around and poached talent from everywhere. But just kind of let folks know, you know what you guys are, what you're doing, that sort of thing. Yeah, so we're a new startup, brand new company. Uh, this is Brad Evans and um, a bunch of other people, Jeff Radcliffe, Elliot Christ, Kevin Adams, are all running the show here. Um, absolutely awesome company. We've been, we had the doors open for seven weeks, and really it's a three-armed beast. I mean, whether it's betting, daily, fantasy, we're going to have you covered with no matter what you need or want. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've really tried to take uh, as much as I possibly can on would start with fade the noise and I mean whether it's best ball dynasty redraft focused stuff I mean I'm trying to pump, pump out as much content as I possibly can yeah you guys have been just on top of everything and, and it was it was funny because I mean you guys when when it seemed like every day Brad and Jeff were announcing new hires there and it was sort of like <laughs> you know when the athletics started up and how like you know that was the running joke that everybody was leaving somewhere to go to the athletic it felt for a while like everybody in the fantasy industry I was packing up to go to fade the noise, but uh, it's been a great launch for you guys. And so I'm, I'm certainly excited to see how things go uh, once we get the season underway, no doubt. Um, let's do a little bit of news headlines where we jump into this positional preview. The first thing is Bill Belichick says he is very impressed with Cam Newton's quick, quick grasp of the offense. Derek, I feel like it has been sort of an up and down with Cam Newton stories. Like we all thought he was going to be the starter when they signed him. Then last week there was talk about maybe a quarterback platoon, then Jared Stidham gets hurt a little bit, and now Cam Newton seems to be back at where he was when he started. What do you make of him and, and his draft value? I mean, where where are you thinking of taking him, if you're thinking of taking him at all? I love Cam this year. I think that he's going to smash. Um, I, where he's going in drafts, because you're not going to have to take him inside the top 12 quarterbacks. So he's going to go in this middle, late rounds. And if you're looking for upside, you have to believe that Cam Newton has it this year. I mean – for as much as all the Stidham stands want that to be a thing, I, re- I really don't think it's going to be, Marcus. I mean, I'm not honestly surprised that he's picking up the offense quickly. I mean, if you look at McDaniels, I know a lot of people have talked about how that offense could function or run. I think they're going to be super play-action heavy, and that really is right in Cam's wheelhouse. I mean, if you look at 2018 under Norv, they were the fifth most heavy play-action team in the NFL Cam was awesome inside that system, too. I mean, he was first in play-action completion percentage. So I love the fit. I think his legs, as long as he still runs a little bit, I think he's going to surprise some people. Like, he is one of a handful of quarterbacks you could take in the late rounds that has top five upside. It is amazing to me that he is lasting that long. And and maybe, I don't know, maybe it was out of sight, out of mind, because he didn't play pretty much all of last year, that people just kind of forgot about him. But, yeah, at his best – he is a top five quarterback. And the thing that I've taken away 
Look, the last couple of years, we have had late round quarterbacks be top five finishers, right? We had two years ago, it was Patrick Mahomes that people were taking late and he ended up, you know, exploding. Last year, obviously, it was Lamar Jackson, who was another late round pick that ended up you know, being the top scoring quarterback in fantasy football. I think sometimes we get hung up on this thing of if we're looking for that late round guy with a huge upside, it has to be a younger guy. I mean, I know we have mm-hmm. we've tried to, to you know put Daniel Jones in that spot. Um, you know, for a while, Josh Allen maybe was getting talked about there. But why can't it be a veteran guy that we have seen do it before? We know the track record is there and we know the track record is there with a wide receiver core that isn't necessarily great. I mean, he did that in Carolina without having spectacular wide receivers. I I don't see why he can't do it again. And and I've just been surprised that maybe his ADP hasn't shot up more uh, as people start to get into it. But but maybe maybe it happens late. Maybe he gets a late bump in ADP. I don't know. But I'm I'm with you. I think Cam is a fantastic pick, uh, especially because of, of where you're getting him. A uh, couple stories here, and, and I'm going to play hype train or smoke screen with you because this is fun to do this time of year. We always get coach speak or we get you know players talking about what they want to do, and it doesn't necessarily pan out. But uh, reports are from Las Vegas that the Raiders believe Josh Jacobs can be a, quote, more complete running back. He said not that long ago he wants to catch 60 passes. That seems like wish casting because their top wide receiver had 49 catches last year. But if he catches more than 20, I think that's a big upgrade. Are you buying that Josh Jacobs is going to be more involved in the passing game, especially because they brought in Theo Riddick? It's a hard sell for me. I mean, look, can Jacobs do it based off of his skill set? Sure. Are they going to allow him to do that? I mean, we've got, what, Theo We've got Devontae Booker. We've got Jalen Richard. All can catch passes and factor into this backfield. I just, I don't see it honestly happening, probably. Like, is it in his range of outcomes? The very, very tip top of them, possibly. (laughs) But I just don't see, like, how this offense is going to function. I think that the Raiders have brought in a lot of, like, speed. They brought in a lot of short area weapons, whether, I mean, Waller, Renfro, Ruggs. Brian Edwards is getting a lot of steam. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of guys that could do a lot of things after the catch. And I just don't see where Josh Jacobs is going to be needed to fulfill that role considering everything around him. Oh, and I didn't even mention Lynn Bowden as well. Right. I I think Josh Jacobs, just based on what he did last year, has the potential to maybe creep into the back part of the top 10. If they decide to use him as a pass-catching weapon, I think that number jumps up and you might be seeing him get even closer to the top five. But I'm sort of with you. They realized last year that they needed pass catchers. I mean, let's, let's not forget this time last year, they were in the midst of the Antonio Brown, I think, frozen feet, uh, wonky helmet saga. Uh, you know, and that, that they were expecting him that to come feels in. feels so long ago, Mark. It was a lifetime ago. Gosh. It was a lifetime. But think about it. I mean, because this was going on during Hard Knocks last year, right? And we're in the middle of Hard Knocks right now. It feels like a lifetime ago. But when that went south, so did their, their whole pass-catching group. And so they went out and really bolstered that in the draft. You mentioned the three guys that they got. It's hard for me to think that Josh Jacobs, look, maybe he increases his his number of receptions. Maybe he goes from 20 to 30. Uh, I don't see 60 in the offing. I'd love it. I think we'd all love it. I just don't see it happening. Uh, the other story that I'm, I'm hype training or smoke screening with you, David Montgomery has slimmed down. I don't know if he's hashtag BSOHL. I don't know if he's in the best shape of his life, but apparently he stopped eating candy. 
He lost about five pounds. He says he's going to be faster. I was worried coming into this offseason that we had sort of seen the best of him, that maybe he hadn't officially hit his ceiling, but he had gotten quite close to it. Uh, are you are you buying? Are you on the hype train of the newer, slimmer, maybe faster David Montgomery in 2020? Okay, so I know that I'm representing Fade the Noise here, and I don't want to sound like I'm just <laughs> picking back kick off of Brad Evans here, but I was in the streets last year. I was with Brad. I was all in on Dave Montgomery. And for this year, I'm buying back in because I we have seen running backs take a second-year leap. Now, if we want to go back to Melvin Gordon, and all of these guys have different circumstances around their situations, but guys that – Within being inside the context of an NFL strength program, not having to do 20 visits in the offseason for for draft prep, for visiting teams, how many guys have we seen take a year or two leap? Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon, all of these guys. Ronald Jones busted and was not a thing in his first year, and he was was even relevant last year. Um, For all of these guys that we've seen take this monstrous second-year leap, Montgomery, we know the volume is going to be there. So if he's in better shape, I get the concerns around him, but we know the volume is going to be there. I think he can outplay his ADP considering where he's going right now. So, yeah, I'm all in. All right. I, I will say this. I was all in on him last year, and it hurt my heart a little bit because he was just kind of meh. Uh, so I, I know that I have been sort of you know hesitant because I got burned on it last season. I do think he has – one of the same concerns as Josh Jacobs in that he's not going to catch the football because that that is going to be Tariq Cohen's domain pretty much. So you are going to have to count on him to be a, an excellent runner. But I think you make a fair point in that he's going to have plenty of volume. There is nobody else who is going to run the football for the Chicago Bears. So in that respect, David Montgomery has, has an opportunity. Uh, news out of San Francisco, Brandon Ayuk has injured his hamstring it has been a miserable offseason for the 49ers in the wide receiver category. Uh, Debo Samuel is hurt. They're hoping, but nothing certain, that he's back for week one. Ayuk had offseason surgery. Now appears that he's injured his hamstring. Jalen Hurd uh, looks like he is done for the season. So when you look at their pass catchers not named George Kittle, is there anybody there that gets you excited right now? So – I understand, and I'm a big fan of Trent Taylor, but as far as all of his hype and stuff, I just I can't buy into it, um, even at the end of drafts, because just looking at the San Francisco team the, the, over the last two seasons, they are near the bottom of the league and running three wide receiver sets. So even if you want to buy into, okay, slot narrative, things like that, go back all the way back to Jimmy G in New England and all those kind of things, and Trent Taylor can be the Julian Edelman of San Francisco. I can't do it at <laughs> – and Kendrick Bourne is getting some steam right now. Can he play? Sure. I mean, we saw him. He was a little bit better on the outside as an outside wide receiver. But my entirety here is that you can't buy into a slot wide receiver if a snaps are capped because of what they run as far as formations. And I really think that this could open up some targets for the running backs in the passing game because last year before Raheem Mostert just took over the backfield and – Matt Breida fumbled away any part of that backfield that he had. You saw this backfield weeks one through 12. They were 11th in the NFL in target share to the running back position. So if we get a healthy Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman and most and Mostert, who's apparently showing some more prowess catching the ball in camp, 
I think we see more targets for the passing game go to the running back position for San Francisco. Uh, I think that's fair. I, I will say that I, you know, I guess if I'm picking one, I have sort of tended toward Kendrick Bourne, but even then that is really end of draft because I just don't expect uh, a large amount of production. And at some point, look, Samuel, he may not be there for week one, but I expect that he will be back fairly soon. We'll see what the situation is with Ayuk, how long this potentially puts him down. So I think that you know, whoever it is, whether it's, it's Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, they're trying to sell us Dante Pettis again, but I don't. I don't think I'm. I'm really buying that hype right now. My truth or heart wants to believe, but I can't. I can't. I, I, just, I, I just can't buy in again. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't quite get on board with that one. So I think whoever it is, uh, in the it will be a short term situation because I think some of those other guys are coming back, and and I think you you will see more of the running backs kind of get some of those targets. So. That seems like a perfect transition into our wide receiver preview. We'll talk about some elite guys, mid-tier guys, rookies, and maybe something in between as well. So, Derek, the first thing we talk about is the fact that this is arguably, it probably is actually the deepest position in all of fantasy. Maybe quarterback uh, can compare to it. Do you feel like because it's so deep, you have to get one of those top receivers in the first two rounds of your drafts, or can you wait and still feel okay with what you're getting later on? Depending on where you're drafting, I mean, do do I say that you have to? No. I mean, depending on where you're drafting, can you? Sure. I mean, I think that there's a really good case to be made. I think that the running back thirst right now is pushing top-tier talent at the wide receiver position down the draft board. So it, depending on where I'm drafting, if I'm at the end of the first round, will I go receiver or the top guy on my board or something of that nature? Sure. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, but – do I feel like I have to walk away with the first two rounds with the, with wide receiver? No, not at all. So this is more of a philosophical question. Is wide receiver actually deep or is it because NFL offenses throw the football more that there's just more opportunity? I mean, I, I maybe it's splitting hairs a little bit, but I do feel like, you know, because teams regularly throw the ball five, 600 times a year, that creates more opportunity for wide receivers, which creates more chances for us to draft and play some of these guys. I think it's a little bit deeper. I mean, it depends on how you're attacking the position. As far as the high-end talent, I still think there's there's definitively a teardrop there. But in terms of guys that are going to see targets, even like a 15 to 20% target share, I do think that that is made the position, quote-unquote, deeper this year. Because mm-hmm. even if you look over the last two years, I mean, got like teams that are just running more three wide receiver sets, if you look at – teams that ran three wide like 70% of the time. Over the last two years, nine teams did that. Even if you drop that to 65%, you're looking at on average over the last two years, 65% of three wide sets, you have 14 teams. That's half the league. So as far as skill position guys, guys that are going to see targets, is the position deeper? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. All right. I think that, I mean, I think it's, I, I just think it's an interesting conversation, right? I mean, I, yeah. I don't think you're wrong, but I do think we always just might say, hey, it's deep. And then sometimes I'm like, is it deep or they're just, you know, a lot of players. Uh, I, I think, I think that when you talk about the, the top tier of guys, I think maybe that's probably a little bit bigger than it was once upon a mm-hmm. time, you know, and you've got, you know, Devontae Adams and Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins and Tyreek Hill and, you know, on and on and on and so forth. And I think even that mid, middle tier of guys, I think has gotten wider than it was. And I think that that definitely plays into to some of this. So speaking of the elite wide receivers, who is your wide receiver one? Is it Michael Thomas? Is it somebody else right now? 
Uh, my wide receiver one has been all off season and will continue to be right now. As long as he's healthy, it's Devontae Adams for mm-hmm. me. And I feel like all of the parts and pieces that we saw lineup for Michael Thomas last year, it's in line, Marcus, for, for Adams to smash this year. I mean, even if you look at last year when he came back from injury, so weeks nine through 17, the only person he was behind in, in the entirety of the NFL and target share was Michael Thomas by 2%. I mean, the guy was garnering a 31% target share and he was on pace for 182 targets. And to put that in context, Michael Thomas had 185 last year. So I think that things are are definitively in line for Adams to absolutely smash. So he's my wide receiver one. I mean, I think he is the beneficiary of the Packers and their weird offseason. I mean, I keep coming back to the fact that everyone, I mean, literally everyone, even Devontae Adams himself, thought the Packers were going to draft a wide receiver, and they didn't. They they took a, a running back. They took a quarterback. They did not take a wide receiver. And, look, I think people are sort of – trying to figure out if it's going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if it's Alan Lazard, uh, who is going to be that number two wide out there in Green Bay. But I think regardless, we've sort of seen these other guys, and we know that when things break down, that when Aaron Rodgers is in trouble and he needs help, he's going to look to Devontae Adams. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in the neighborhood of 150 targets this year. Uh, I'm with you. He is my wide receiver one right now. Now, mind you, if I'm in a draft and I'm in the first round and I don't get Devontae Adams and I have to quote unquote settle for Michael Thomas, I'm not going to be the least bit sad about it. Uh, but I, I do think he is that number one wide receiver. That does make my question though. If, if you're picking a number two receiver out of green Bay, who is it for you? Who um, up until the, until uh, we started getting camp news and Robert Tanyan was possibly going to be more involved in Sternberger. I was actually leaning towards Sternberger I have a hard time buying into Alan Lazard really being a thing. Like if you're going to lean one guy, it's either mismatch or athletic upside. So it's probably Sternberger or MBS for me right now. All right. Uh, I feel like Sternberger is going to be the latest in the line of Packer fanboy, fanboy uh, favorites. Um, Can be. Know, a lineage that goes all the way back to Jeff Janis, uh, however many years oh. ago. <laughs> that, oh. is usually, that is usually the reaction I get when I mention Jeff Janis's name. That's usually what people say. Um, do we take Julio Jones for granted? I feel like, you know, he, he sits there and he gets drafted, you know, in the first round or early second round, what have you. But like, whenever we talk top tier wide receivers, we're like, oh yeah. And Julio Jones. I feel like, you know, for a guy that locks in at 1400 yards per year that gets you about a hundred catches per year. Uh, I feel like we should like love him more than we do. I feel like we just sort of take him for granted. Is that, is that fair? It is. I mean, I feel like he's so maligned. People don't, take him for they, – they really don't love him enough. If you look at Julio, I mean, it really, Marcus, can we say, like, Julio is probably one of the safest picks outside of, like, unless you want to play age narratives in the top two rounds? Easily. Like, <laughs> I mean, over the last six years, the guy's only been a wide receiver wide receiver seven or better in every single season. You know he's going to get around 150 targets. I just – I don't understand. If you're going to fade Julio, what, what and why? Because nobody can explain that. Like – what? <laughs> Why do you not like Julio if you don't like him? Tell me. Somebody needs to come at me with that. 
Yeah, I don't know. And it's funny because, you know, not, not long ago I had uh, Pat Doherty, Roto, Roto Pat on the show and we were talking about the, the Falcons. And, you know, I, he mentioned that there might be a little bit of, of projection with Calvin Ridley. And I, I admitted that I was probably guilty of some of that. And, you know, he sort of brought me back to reality with, look, man, Julio is going to get, you know, he's probably going to get as close to 100 catches. He's going to get his 13 to 1400 yards. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's not the touchdown machine that people would like him to be. But, I mean, you got to feel good about a dude who's going to get you, you know, on average 12 to 15 fantasy points on a, on a mediocre day. Uh, and so I, that sort of brought me back to it. I still love Calvin Ridley. Don't get me wrong. I think he's still going to have a great year, but this idea that that Calvin Ridley could suddenly vault and, and end up near the top five when Julio is still walking the earth uh, makes me a little bit more, you know, uh, realistic, I guess. Uh, down in Arizona. Can Nuke Hopkins be the same guy with the Cardinals that he was with the Texans the last few years? In the sense that is he going to be a top five wide receiver? That's it's going to be a stretch. <laughs> I, th- I think he will be a wide receiver one. And that's that's where I'm at with Nuke. I, I think that there is a path. If we see early season Arizona last year come back, could he f- still finish there? I see the path now. Do you have to draft in there? No, but I, I definitively see that that is in his range of outcomes. It's just not where I'm really going to peg him at right now because with Arizona, I mean, last year we saw it the, the first six weeks of the season, they ran super fast. I mean, they were fourth in place per game, and then they just put the put the brakes on everything mm-hmm. after that. I mean, they were 29th in place per game, seven weeks seven through 17, so – it's really comes down to like which version of Arizona do you, do you think we're going to get? And I think that they go back to running four wide receiver base sets. So do the targets get spread out to other guys like Andy Isabella? We know Fitzgerald is still there. He's really going to need to revisit like his 10 to 12 touchdowns to really pay off and be that top five guy again. Are there any other Cardinal receivers that you like? I guess Fitzgerald, but are there any other guys you like? The Isabellas, uh, the Hakeem Butlers, the Christian Kirks. Anybody else there that has caught your eye this draft season? I mean, just because I think that that Arizona will go back to running. I mean, look before they slowed everything down and turned into like a two tight end, like slow down team. They were running four wide receivers as their base set. I mean, they were running out of four wide nearly sixty percent of their plays. So. If I'm going to take my shots, I'm going to go with a guy that flashed last year. I mean, I had no problems with Christian Kirk where he's going. I think that he's the number two wide receiver there uh, because he had a higher target share when he was healthy over Fitzgerald last year. So I don't mind Kirk where he's going. If I'm going super, super late and taking the dart throw, it's Andy Isabella. But just because of the speed, the upside, and if he's just simply on the field running four, uh, in those four wide receiver sets, I believe in the talent. I just feel like the Cardinals receivers outside of Nuke are all better best ball options, I think. Agreed. Week for week, guys, just because yep. you just never know which one is going to pop uh, on any given week. Uh, looking at some of the mid-tier guys, and this one, th- this question, I-, I wrote this you know, yesterday, and now with news that has happened today, it has sort of changed it a little bit. But how are we feeling about Keenan Allen this year? And I, I sort of add the caveat now that Mike Williams – uh, got injured in practice, and according to head coach Anthony Lynn, it looks like he might be out a while. Does this change how you maybe felt about Keenan Allen 24 hours ago? 
a little bit. I mean, not. I don't really think that it moves Allen a ton for me, only because the biggest limiting factor was not Mike Williams there. It's it's their pass volume for me. Like we've seen Keenan Allen, he's probably going to garner somewhere around his twenty five to twenty six percent target share, but. Tyrod, last time he was under center, I mean, he only threw the ball 459 times. So even with Allen having this monstrous target share, even if you peg him for, what, 30%, you're looking at in the range of 120, 130 targets, which is is awesome. But does he really have the ceiling to really get back to where he was and where he's been and really reach that 150 mark? That's the part that I like. I really see the divide. And so – even though Williams is out, it doesn't move the needle that that much for me. I mean, I, could, could other pass catchers in this offense like Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, can they soak up a little bit of a few extra targets? Sure. I mean, that's within the range of outcomes, but I feel like the pass volume is the biggest limiting factor for Allen. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this Charger offense. At first, I was sort of out just because I felt like I, I was really unclear on how this was going to work. Then – I sort of talked myself up because I was like, hey, look, Tyrod was a decent quarterback. And, and you look at the splits between he and, and Josh Allen and the numbers they grayed out fairly similar, especially in terms of their efficiency and that sort of thing. So maybe I can talk myself into to Keenan Allen and to those guys. I will say I love Austin Eckler. There's no doubt about that. I can kind of I can kind of get with Allen, especially where he's coming off the board. I have been a little bit hesitant on Hunter Henry. I liked Mike Williams because he was coming late, and I would definitely take the shot at him. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying in a long, roundabout, mealy mouth sort of way is that I'm sort of like halfway in, halfway out on this Charger offense this year. Uh, you know, I don't know if Hard Knocks is, is Hard Knocks helping. Is, is, are we getting a Hard Knocks bump? You think from from watching like the Chargers and the Rams right now? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I mean, do you, I think all these guys, their ADPs are pretty much the same or they're not really nudging. Like I don't see any of the hype really besides like my love for Cam Akers. Um, <laughs> besides that, I really don't see a whole lot changing for, for either one of these teams right now. Yeah, it's weird. And usually I, I always pick a guy that gets like the hard knocks fantasy bump um, because, you know, maybe he gets a little feature on him on one of the episodes or what have you. Or, you, or because we always get to see some preseason actual game action and maybe that helps. But we don't get that this year. So maybe we don't get the, the bump. Who knows? Uh, choose your fighter. Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? Oh, this is easy. Tyler Lockett for me. Hmm. And I don't I don't understand why Metcalf is getting drafted in a lot of places before Tyler Lockett, because I really think that this is Tyler Lockett's situation. Like, he's the number one there. I think that injuries last year really kind of changed this uh, as far as how we view these two wide receivers. And before Lockett got injured in week 10, he was the wide receiver five in PPR in points per game. So he, he they didn't declare him healthy until week 15, Marcus. Mm-hmm. And so I understand, like, a lot of people want to believe in the upside of DK Metcalf and – could he ascend? Sure. I mean, that that's within his range of outcomes, but this is not even close for me. I mean, it's Lockett for me all day. Yeah, I do think there is an element of, of people remembering how last season ended for Tyler Lockett. You mentioned the injuries, him not being healthy. Uh, I think at one point he had to stay overnight in the hospital because yep. – uh, he was having issues last year. So I do think there's some of that that comes into play. I also honestly just think you, you talked about age narratives a little while ago, and I do think some of the age narrative, DK Metcalf is sort of the new kid on the block there uh, in a manner of speaking in Seattle. 
And I think you know, after what he did last year, the fact that he has a year under his belt and that he's younger than Tyler Lockett, uh, I know that we all like new shiny things in fantasy football. And you know, comparatively speaking, he is the, the newer, shinier option in that Seattle Seahawks passing game. Uh, which guys that are available round four or later, maybe there's one, maybe there's more than one, which of these guys are you really heavily targeting in your drafts this year? So round four is, I feel like that is the wide receiver round for me. Like there are so many wide receivers in that round that I absolutely love. Whether you want to talk about DJ Chark and can he get the AJ Green 30% target share? Before he got hurt, he was wide receiver eight. You would talk about Terry McLaurin. Washington is going to throw the ball more this year. Like that is definitively going to happen. We've all seen all of the videos of, from practice yesterday and this week of McLaurin just balling out in practice. So I think that he's a stud. It, it, I talked about Tyler Lockett. I think Devontae Parker is still going to garner somewhere in the range of 130 targets. If I'm going a little bit later, um, after all of my Will Fuller love in the, in the sixth round, the guy that I want to walk away from most drafts with, and he's getting a lot of camp buzz right now, is Paris Campbell. I know we've talked about him previously, Marcus, but I, I'm not, I can't get off of Paris Campbell. Where you're going to get him in drafts, I mean, he's going somewhere in the 12th to 14th round, is just a smash for me. I mean, I feel like he fits exactly what the Colts want to do in their passing offense. I get that people love Michael Pittman. This is not me shaming Michael Pittman. I like him as a prospect, but having him walk into his rookie season to learn and play X and win on the outside versus Paris Campbell – who this Colts attack is going to be short area targets, 4-3 speed from the slot, and he can win and do things after the catch. It's not even close, man. I want Paris Campbell in every single draft if I can come away with him where he's going. I appreciate you kind of soft-pedaling Michael Pittman because I just have to let you know this is a, <laughs> this is a USC Trojan-friendly show here. So I do uh, remember that. <laughs> so, so I appreciate that. I was, you, you mentioned Devontae Parker. Are you not concerned at all about Preston Williams being back and healthy? Because when they were on the field together, they were both they were both fine, but they both sort of you know ate off each other's plates, if you will, too. I'm not concerned about that, only in the sense of how I kind of view this offense. I think Preston Williams is definitively going to be involved, but – Parker, we saw him take a massive step last year. And we want to talk about like more defensive attention. We've all seen what he did versus the Patriots versus one of the best corners in the NFL. It's Stephon Gilmore. I feel like we saw him ascend last year when he was asked to be the number one in this offense. And just how Chan Gailey's run his offenses in previous seasons through one main outside wide receiver and a slot option. I, I'm really putting all my chips into Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker this year. I think that those are the two avenues that the Dolphins go through as far as their passing game. Uh, I do like Gasicki, and for a while I was worried that the ADP was going to rise a little bit too much, but it seems like it's sort of stabilized, so I, I feel okay with, with where he is, is still available. Uh, on the flip side, which of those guys, you know, round four or later, are you sort of dodging right now? So I know we talked about Keenan Allen. I just think that Considering what we've seen him do in previous seasons, the volume ceiling and, and his upside is capped for me. So where he's going in drafts, like, do I understand, like, people are going to get a safe wide receiver, too? That's great, but I don't see any way that, like, in his range of outcomes, unless Herbert takes over and they become, like, this gargantuan passing team, which is not what Anthony Lynn wants to do this year, I don't see the ceiling for, for Keenan Allen. So I'm avoiding him in a lot of drafts. 
Uh, Marquise Brown is a guy that I don't find myself coming away with a lot in drafts mm-hmm. because where he's going at round six, round seven, there's just so many guys there that I really just want to take above him uh, as far as Will Fuller, Michael Gallup, even Tyler Boyd, because I think that the passing volume is going to be increased over over what he's possibly going to see in Baltimore. And I feel like we're probably drafting him near his ceiling. Um, same reasons for Stefan Diggs. I like Diggs as a talent. I think he's one of the best, most talented wide receivers in the NFL as far as separation, route running, all of those things. I just have a hard time buying it as far as like with Buffalo. If you want to tell yourself a story in Buffalo, they're going to run three wide receiver sets a whole lot. Cole Beasley is still going to get targets as well as John Brown. And for as much as we want to believe in Stefan Diggs, is he going to have spike weeks? Sure. He's definitively going to have those. But with Josh Allen being the quarterback who's only thrown above 260 passing yards once, (laughs) once in two years, that's a hard sell for me. So I I can't draft him in in round six. I have gone from early in in fantasy draft season getting quite a bit of stuff on digs to pivoting to John Brown to – now just sort of being out on Bill's receivers. And I, I don't know if it's that, you know, so, sometimes camp reports can backfire on you, right? Like seeing the camp reports, seeing everybody get really excited about Josh Allen, you know, quote unquote, learning how to play the quarterback position, but still seeing reports of him, you know, missing targets or throwing interceptions has sort of gotten me to slowly back away from the Bill's passing game uh, over the last few weeks. All right, so pivot to the rookies. Who is your top fantasy rookie wide receiver for 2020 i was there before the draft i'm still there i'm following the drum beat it's all jalen rager for me mm-hmm. i love jalen rager this year philly's gonna run a lot of plays they were first in plays per game last year he's got an easy path to be the number one wide receiver here and for as much as we like Deshaun jackson and his upside he still can't prove like right now and in the previous seasons that he could stay on the field for a full 16 games i think that Rager is a much more polished wide receiver than a lot of people gave him credit coming out. I look, I, I keep telling myself this story where the Eagles wide receiver core stays healthy and they are deep and they are robust that, you know, that we get, say, you know, 14, 15 games out of Alshon Jeffrey, that we get 12 to 15 games out of Deshaun Jackson, that Rager finds a role within there. I keep telling myself this story because I keep believing that Carson Wentz could set himself up for a top five fantasy season. Uh, And I've been taking late shots at him just kind of on that hope. But I think hearing you, I mean, it's just, it is a calm level headed realization of look, this, this wide receiver core has been banged up for the last couple of years. And the, the guys that they are counting on most right now, are older players in Jeffrey and Jackson. So it does sort of open things up for Jalen Rager. I had been very much on the Justin Jefferson train. The reports right now aren't terrible. I mean, it's not that he looks bad. It's just that he looks like a rookie who is still maybe a step or two behind everybody else. That's, I guess, kind of to be expected. And he's going to be a guy that needs the Vikings to run more three wide receiver sets in order to get on the field, in order to get those targets. So maybe I am sort of you know, sliding toward the Jalen Rager camp, but I'm still not completely letting go of my Justin Jefferson dream right now because I still think there's, there's a spot for him to, to be productive this year. Of the rookies, and it's funny, we, so we talk about rookie wide receivers. We don't talk about the big three from this draft class. We didn't talk about Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb or Henry Ruggs. 
of all of the rookies in this class, who do you think has the highest long-term ceiling? It's CeeDee Lamb, and it's as good as all these wide receivers are, and as much as I love Rager, CeeDee Lamb has an alpha profile, and where he is landing in Dallas was such a, a great landing spot for him. I mean, if you look at Gallup and Cooper, possibly one of them or both of them is out of there in two years. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is the alpha in waiting. That's all he is. He could dominate from the slot. I think they could win on the outside. Dak, if he's there long term, it, it's just such a great situation for him for the future. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm sort of torn. I think it probably is C.D. Lamb just because of the way the Cowboys offense has has transitioned from more of a Zeke centered offense to a Dak centered offense over the last few years. I like Judy's talent. I'm not sold on Drew Locke necessarily as the future there in Denver. And, and same sort of with the Raiders, right? The, the Raiders don't seem to want to commit to Derek Carr. And so that makes things sort of questionable what, about what happens with Henry Ruggs. So I think, I think you're right. I think CeeDee Lamb is sort of the right answer. Uh, as we get toward the end of the show, I want to do some, some who'd you rathers with you. I'll give you two options. You pick the one you like best. Uh, I will start with a couple of Rams receivers. Cooper Cup. Or, actually, before we do this real quick, now that I'm thinking of Rams receivers, uh, your thoughts on Van Jefferson. We talk about the rookies, and Van Jefferson kind of got a lot of run. The, the Rams had a scrimmage over the weekend. There was at one point they lined Van Jefferson up against Jalen Ramsey to kind of get him some work with you know maybe the toughest competition you can find. Any thoughts to, to maybe some dart throws at him late in drafts? I love him. I feel like people that are probably going to go with Reynolds are looking at the wrong wide receiver. I think that Jefferson – they. Like, we're talking about some rookies struggling in camp right now. Jefferson, all of the drumbeat has been super positive. They're already putting him with the ones and seeing how he can win and how he can win the matchups versus their best cornerback. I feel like all of these things scream that the Rams really believe in him, and he's not proving them wrong. So I like him. I think that he can win the role as the third wide receiver over Reynolds. I like him in multiple formats. Like I'm getting a lot of exposure as far as like last pick of best ball. If you're looking for Rams, yeah, I, I like Van Jefferson a whole, whole lot. Even though his prospect profile coming out did not like jump off the page, what he's showing and the role that he could have in the Rams offense, I think really could surprise people. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I sort of thought when they drafted him that that – was bad news for Josh Reynolds that those two were going to compete yep. a lot. And and I figured that Jefferson was going to get every opportunity to win. And so far, it seems like that that has been the case there in, in Rams camp. All right. So now, who'd you rather? Cooper Cup or Robert Woods? And I'm going to throw this little nugget in that just came across my Twitter timeline from uh, Jordan Rodriguez, who is uh, the beat writer for the Rams for The Athletic. And she tweeted, Robert Woods just entered a different plane in the space-time continuum to snag a catch across the middle between several defensive players. So now that I've dropped that little nugget in there, I'm going to ask you, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods? <laughs> Even though you're leading me towards Woods, I'm still going to go towards Cup. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I, look, and I love Robert Woods. For me, it's, it's, it's what do you see for the Rams' offense this year, and I think that they go back to three wide receiver sets. I think that – their offense was decimated by injuries last year on the offensive line. I don't think that this 12 personnel thing, and that has me out on Tyler Higby. I think it's Cooper Cup. I, we've seen his ceiling, Marcus. Last year, the beginning of the year, he was wide receiver two over the first eight or nine games behind only Michael Thomas. As good as Woods is, 
I don't see that in his range of outcomes as far as his ceiling, but we've seen that at a cup. I will say my case for Robert Woods has been one that their their numbers, their totals were were very close to one another last year. And that's with Woods actually playing one fewer game. I do think that the touchdown numbers maybe get a little bit closer. You know, I, I can see Cup coming down off of those 10 touchdowns last year. I also see Woods scoring more than two. For all the work that he did in the offense last year, to score just two touchdowns seems like something of an anomaly. So I see those numbers getting closer. The one thing I felt like Woods had in his favor was that they used him sort of as a, a de facto running back a lot of times. He ran a lot of those jet sweeps. He had a lot of rushing yards. I do worry that that goes away because they have so many running backs, that they're trying to shuffle between Cam Akers and, and Daryl Henderson whenever he's healthy, uh, that Malcolm Brown is there, what have you. So I do worry that that, that part of Woods' game gets taken out. Uh, but where where he's been available in drafts, I have drafted Robert Woods many, many, many times uh, so far this summer. Uh, Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks? Oh, I'm a Fuller stan. Okay. I, I want Will Fuller here. I think that for an offseason, we've talked about all the rapport and all these things about like continuity. And I understand Brandon Cooks can go anywhere and, and apparently mesh with any quarterback. We've seen that time and time. But Will Fuller is just a stud. I think that he's shown when he's been on the field. And I know people listening to it are going to just automatically eye roll and talk about injuries because that's what we always hear first. Uh, Twitter needs new injury jokes, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I, Will Fuller has just been awesome. I mean, 23 games with Deshaun Watson, his 16-game pace, Marcus, was about 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. So the ceiling is definitively there for him. Yeah, I, I've been saying lately that you look at the 16-game pace, right? We should be talking about Will Fuller in the same breath as like the Adam Thielens and the Amari Coopers of yep. the world. But we don't. And I think because of those injury concerns, which – you can't completely brush them off, but I think that is sort of factored into where he's going in drafts. And I, I'm completely with you on this one. I think, you know, because of what he offers when he's on the field, he and Deshaun Watson are touchdown magic. Not just that, they are long touchdown magic. I think, uh, I think I looked at, they have 14 touchdowns together in the games they've played with one another. Of those 14 touchdowns, seven of them have been 30 yards or longer. So they are a big play combination waiting to happen. And I will take the chance on, on whatever happens with him injury-wise to get those sort of big plays in my lineup on a week-to-week basis because I think it's totally worth it. And again, because I'm not drafting him as my week-to-week wide receiver one, I have some flexibility there in case things go sideways again. Uh, all right, we're going to go old school here. Randy Moss or Antonio Brown? Oh, it's got to be Moss for me. All right. He, he was too good. Are you on the other side? Or are you, are no, you no, no. Brown? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm Randy. Look. I keep saying, I think there's a video on NFL.com where it is all of, I think they put it out for Randy Moss's 40th birthday. It was all of his touchdowns of 40 yards or longer. It's a seven minute video, which is heresy (laughs) on the internet. I watched every minute, every second of that seven minute video. So no, I'm definitely not on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Although look, I will say, and I, I know I'm not alone in this, that Post Randy Moss, Antonio Brown is probably the best receiver we have seen in the NFL. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I I love Antonio. It's just Moss is a boss, man. Like you cannot get away from him. I mean, how good he was for how long, and the fact that he didn't see anywhere near the amount of volume that Antonio saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't get away from Randy. 
Yeah, quick quick story. Uh, I met a guy once who was a student trainer at Marshall when Randy Moss was there, and he told me a story that you know, it was at the end of practice. They lined everybody up on the goal line. They were going to do like a 100-yard sprint or what have you. Randy was off to the side signing autographs for kids when the whistle blew. He started about 10 to 15 yards behind everybody else and won the race by 10 yards. So that, that tells you a little bit about Randy Moss right there. Um, all right, outside of football, just talking movies, blockbuster movies, Tom Cruise or Will Smith? Will Smith. The, 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 I saw this on the show sheet, and I was like, ha, it's not even close. <laughs> um, I thought it was going to be closer. I mean, I'm a Will Smith guy, but I thought it would be closer. I figured, and I say that because I love the Mission Impossible series. I, uh, I, I have him too. But I, I have this theory that that uh, Ethan Hunt should sort of be the American counterpart to James Bond so that whenever Tom Cruise is done playing Ethan Hunt, we just find a new actor and he plays Ethan Hunt and we just keep this thing rolling. I mean, there's what, 27, I think, something like that, James Bond films. Like, let's just keep this rolling with, with Mission Impossible. Let's keep Ethan Hunt alive forever. So maybe I was waiting. Maybe I was waiting those movies a little too heavily. I don't know. I, I love Will Smith. I mean... It, maybe it's just a, a, as I'm getting older, Marcus, I don't know, man. Like I can't watch, like I am legend is amazing. I love mm-hmm. that movie and dear God in heaven, I ball like a three-year-old. Like I, I cry <laughs> like a baby every time I watch it too. Oh, it's fantastic. All right. Last one for you. French fries or tater tots? There is nothing on the face of God's green earth that is better than chili cheese tots. I'm just, mm. just got to say it. Amen. Amen. I cannot, I cannot disagree with that. Uh, in fact, I remember going to, uh, I know they're, they're not a sponsor, but maybe Sonic, maybe Sonic wants to sponsor us. I just remember the first time I ever went to one and I pulled up in the drive-thru and I ordered a meal and the person on the other end said, would you like French fries or tater tots? And my exact response was, Ooh, tots. So yeah, that, uh, I am, I am a tot guy all day long. Uh, Derek had a great time. I appreciate you coming on the show for folks who don't know, hit them one more time with uh, where they can find your stuff. Yeah. So follow me on Twitter at Debra underscore FFB. You can find all of my content, um, whether it's FTNfantasy.com, FTNdaily.com, and a little bit of stuff on FTNbets.com. But yeah, really just trying to crush all forms of fantasy betting daily. Um, yeah, check it out. Um, we're pumping out a ton of content. I'm still going through all my coach series um all of those all 32 teams will be out by the end of the week so diving into pace passing rate personnel everything and all things but marcus this was a blast man thank you for having me i appreciate it but tell your boy brad evans that the next time we can uh get together in person i will buy him his favorite shot at tequila absolutely Hey, well, we appreciate all of you out there as well. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by Caesars Rewards. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, anybody driving slower than you is an idiot. Anyone going faster than you is a maniac. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask, and we will see you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.